Artists' Voices, Life in a Pandemic is a new series of oral histories from the ESB Centre for the Study of Irish Art at the National Gallery of Ireland. These oral histories were recorded as a series of conversations with artists to document their experiences during the global COVID-19 pandemic. This series is produced with the kind support of ESB, sponsor of the ESB Centre for the Study of Irish Art at the National Gallery of Ireland. This episode of Artist Voices, Life in a Pandemic, features artist Ruth Lyons in conversation from her home in County Offaly on Thursday the 18th of June 2020. Born in Dublin, Ruth Lyons lives and works in County Offaly. She is a sculptor who works with a variety of natural and human-made materials, such as granite, rock salt, bogland materials, glass and plastic. Her work originates from an experience of landscape and a consideration of human engagement with the land, exploring the constructed forms that have shaped it and what human interventions might say about the spiritual dimension of people. She is particularly interested in the concept of deep time and the geological history of Earth. In 2019, works from her ongoing project, Solarium, were acquired by the National Gallery of Ireland. Following their inclusion in the gallery's exhibition, Shaping Ireland, Landscapes in Irish Art. Ruth generously agreed to talk about her life and work as an artist during the COVID-19 pandemic. Hi Ruth, I'd like to begin with your ongoing project, Solarium, from which works have been recently acquired by the gallery for the National Collection. Solarium comprises a series of bowls carved from large pieces of rock salt. The work in the gallery's collection from Salt Mind in County Antrim. Could you describe what Solarium is and how it manifests itself physically as an artwork and in the form of bowls? Yeah, um, so Solarium is kind of a very important project to me. It's, uh, I started in 2014 um, when I made contact with the Irish Rock Salt Mining Company in uh, Antrim, um, just out of an interest in where salt came from. And I found out that there was a salt mine in Ireland and I contacted them with a view to carving their salt. And they said, it probably wouldn't be possible to carve it, but I was welcome to come and visit and have a go. <laughs> so I went to visit the mine and um, I was just blown away by, I guess I'd never been in a mine before, but uh, the scale of this, it's, um, it's almost like there's, there's tunnels underground that are like motorways, like this, these vast tunnels. Um, it threw solid salt. So it, in, gen, in mining terms, um, salt mining is kind of known as gentleman's mining because it's through solid self-supporting salt. So these tunnels are vast. Um, there's no kind of uh, risk of these collapsing like with coal mines or something. Um, but what I found so incredible, they, say, they told me when I was visiting the mine, just by the by, they said that this, this is part of a seam of salt that extends from Ireland to Russia. Um, and that, that notion, like that, that never left me. I was just so drawn to that idea and then began to look into it and, and found out more about the seam of salt, which, was, which is 
um, now known as the Zechstein Sea, and it's the remains of a, an ancient sea that's 230 million years old. And I guess I was just so fascinated by the notion that, firstly, that uh, all salt is sea salt. So whether it comes from the earth or it comes directly from the sea, it's originally from the sea. So it might be, if it's from the earth, it's from a really ancient sea. Mm. Um, and I was just really struck by that idea and how it then, this, this really simple material embodies this vast, vast cycle and how salt as the only rock we eat that humans consume, um, it means that we are so, like our bodies are implicated in this vast cycle. So I just became really, I mean, I, I guess I've always been drawn to the sea and just like to the landscape and um, an encounter with the sublime and this, this sort of abstract notion of this sea that we can't see anymore just really drew me in. And um, I got in touch with um, the EU Salt Association. So this umbrella association that um, it oversees the salt production in Europe um, and asked them if they would facilitate contact with me between the different mines as you go east from Ireland towards Russia and they said they'd be very happy to do so. So I, since 2014 I work with a different salt mine as you go east from Ireland and I make carvings um, with the salt that's in some way set out to make manifest the Zechstein Sea and make this 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 invisible landscape accessible to people. Um, so the, what I make are, as you said, bowls. So the, the ones that are in the National Gallery collection are from the Irish rock salt. And to date, I've worked with mines, six mines as you go east to Germany. Um, and together, they, all, they, they create this kind of uh, map of this sea through the different mineral contents of the salt, because the salt is different color at each different site and has different kind of crystal, crystal properties. Um, yeah, so together they kind of all make manifest this sea. But what I, the reason for the 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 bowl form is just a notion of. I guess I, I just started carving the salt, and that stuff what what came out, what began to evolve from it. And what I really like is that it's um, a really simple, accessible form. It's almost a non-form. It, it's sort of an echo of maybe the early mining practices, how how mining came about, hollowing out the earth. But at the same time, it's just this really simple form that allows the material to speak. So it's more about the salt and the texture of the, the object than the form of it. And of course, a bowl is used for gathering things, for containing things and sharing things. What are essential human activities? However, to me, it's also a work about scale the human to bowl scale, the bowl to this enormous mine that you've mentioned, and then to the vastness of the seam of salt itself and the ancient sea from which it was formed. I think that's what I, what I love about, what I love about this work is that, and as you said, I often work on a monumental scale as well, but this work is tactile and portable and you can, mm. you can hold these objects, you know, and it really speaks to the notion of like, of the sea contained within a single salt crystal like that 
that vastness contained with that within a single crystal of that material. Could you tell us how you make the work? You mentioned there are challenges in working with with the material of rock salt. Um, yeah, well, I suppose when they uh, their immediate th- notion was that I would be um, chisel like working with a hammer and chisel, and if you impact carved um, salt, it would probably fracture. Um, due to just the crystalline nature, nature of the material. But I work with an angle grinder um, and I work on a kind of gradual process of paring back more than in, uh, any heavy impact. So uh, working in that way, it actually, the material, it suits the material. And it's a lovely material to work with in that it's a really soft salt, soft rock, sorry. It's one of the softest rocks. But it, it is tricky in that it's hygroscopic. So it, it wants to, like, th- this is also what's really beautiful about the material, but really tricky, is that it wants to be the sea. As soon as you, as soon as you raise the salt up above the earth, it's, it wants to return to being the sea. It starts absorbing all the moisture in the air. So I remember the first summer I was carving, it was, I was carving outside in the yard of, of my studio and here in the Midlands, and it was a really hot summer. But the air just became so moist and like my clothes were dripping and I burnt out two angle grinders just because the, the, the salt just attracting moisture from the air. Mm. Um, so it's fascinating that way. but. But tricky, so so I've had to come up with different ways of working with it. You are using the salt for making art, but that's not why it's mined, is it? Yeah, like the salt in Antrim is used largely for de-icing the roads in North North America. So it's brought up above the earth. It's ground underground and in into quite fine salt. But it's very the as you see the the salt in in the National Gallery collection from that from that those bowls in Solarium they are quite brown because they're on what was the shore of the sea, and so they have a really high clay content, and then as you go east it gets purer and purer. So this is actually salt salt from Germany, so it has less clay in it. But um, the yeah the salt from from Antrim, which I find really beautiful. It, it, it's really quite brown and almost like a, a sort of a marble, a brown marble, but it's ground up underneath the ground and then it's brought up and, and they, make, they have huge mountains of this ground salt and then it's put onto boats and it's shipped off to northern North America and it's used in one morning to um, de-ice the roads. Time seems central to the work the vastness of time over which the salt is formed in comparison to the fleeting moments in which it will melt on the road as grit. How do you think about time and translate this medium into your material sculpture? I, I think about these large scales. Like I, what it really inspires me is landscape. Um, and human interaction with landscape throughout history. Um, I guess I'm inspired by an experience of a cycle that is bigger than than the human scale. So even just a cycle of the seasons. Um, and I'm, I'm really 
really continually inspired by megalithic Ireland and these monuments that connect that still exist on our on our landscape from like five thousand years ago, and then speak to us of of uh, the, that community's connection to the cosmos and their understanding of their place in their their physical place within a broader much much more bro much broader universe um and i think i guess i guess that's where i where that's what inspires me and that's what i'd love to bring into my work and i was continually striving to bring in this notion of or and make create like a portal to these this vast experience of time and just to um experience to sort of um give give voice to that so that we can experience what we have as really special you know these moment the the current moment is really special because life is so short you know as well as looking backwards, do you also look forwards in terms of how we are shaping the land and the consequences of our activities today? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I do think about that a lot. I think about, you know, how every impact we make on the landscape embodies something of the spirit of our time, of our society, um, how uh, the huge imprint of the energy industry uh what that says about where we our, our belief systems and our value systems and how imagine like by i love to imagine you know like thousands of years into the future and like the remains of um these mines or the remains of like nuclear power stations and how they're how they're perceived and like to impose the 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 ar this archaeological perspective that we put on these monuments from 5,000 years ago onto some hypothetical monument that, you know, like the a pylon, what, what that means, what that comes to mean and how we always impose a, a spiritual perspective on the past. Um, and that, I mean, it's true, it's sort of very valid thing to do because everything that we create holds a, an imprint of our time and um, really embodies something of our, our, our values. Mm. And that, that you kind of can't separate something that is um, spiritual from something that is not, do you know, and that, that everything we create and everything we build within our landscape today says something about Human relationship with our environment has become a subject of more popular discourse these days. Now that we are living through this pandemic and our experience of COVID-19, have you given thought to how about your work, how uh, it relates to the world we're living in at the moment uh, and how it perhaps could be reinterpreted in relation to the, the context of what's happening in the world today? Um, I, do, I don't know. I... I have, I guess. What I've what I've really thought is that I guess my experience of this uh, lockdown period has been um, that I live in a very rural place, and 
we nothing massively changed except that we never left um and then because i didn't because i haven't left here in like the last three months i came to know the place so much better and just spent so much time growing things and foraging and fishing and walking and just outside all the time and um it just kind of hit homes like a lot i didn't make that much art during this time and um i was just reminded of a thought that i've often had that if i lived in a different time that i might not be an artist like that in some ways what i do i think is a reaction to the demands of society or like the busyness or a way of kind of um a way of existing just a a a way of finding meaning within a very busy and active society with so many so many messages and so many things coming at you all the time um and i guess so what i thought is that like i just found so much um i just i get so much inspiration from just being out in nature and i just find um such meaning in that in my experience of just working with the land um that i and i'm i realize i'm very lucky to have that and like now is a time when over 50% of the world's population live in urban areas. I think since 2008, that was the first time that 50% of the world's population lived in urban areas and the, the, that has only increased. And I, I guess what I thought is that art really offers, can really offer um, that connection, that sense of connection with something greater um, to people who aren't don't get it in their daily lives or like who live in spaces where they don't have that connection even with the seasons um or the you know where just nature doesn't have that uh they might not see it you know it might not be that present um so i i, I really after a few months of not making much art have naturally come around to making like a real necessity to make it again. And I guess I, I probably would always do, will always do that. But um, it's just really hit home to me the importance of art in uh, society. There is a collaborative nature to your work also. And I'm wondering, how, how have you managed to continue this aspect of your practice during these extensive lockdowns? Um, yeah, it's been more difficult, um, certainly like i'm planning on a, a developing solarium into um a, a large-scale video project and that that totally was put on hold i mean just the nature of there's different industries yeah because like the scale of my work is large to me but it's small to um everyone i, I work with generally because i mean I, uh, for the stone work i tend to work with them um, uh, uh a stone contractor who, who does much larger work and I can't really just the 
you know, small scale stuff just becomes less um, relevant to them, mm. especially in times like this. And then the mines, it was just impractical to be contacting people. Mm. So that is something that has been tricky, but also quite um, like there's been positives to that as well, because I, I have um, two small children and I have not been on the computer for more than 10 minutes a day <laughs> because you can't, I just, there, there's no childcare. So there's no, um, uh, and I can make, I can make certain amount of work with them, but I can't go on the computer. So there's been a kind of a re, um, you know, at least I'm not kind of feeling anxious about these connections because there's no possibility of sustaining them. Could you describe a normal day in the studio and what is involved for you in making art? Uh, there's not, honestly, there's not really, I'm not very good at routine. Um, yeah, so a normal day, a normal day uh, over the last three months has just been um very much sort of family orientated and um, managing two children. I'm also four, five months pregnant. Um, so yeah, there's been a lot of kind of, it's been very domestic. And then, but the, what has really anchored that has just been growing things. So uh, we spend all the time outside in the garden um, or, um, so we spend most of the time outside in the garden. We've planted loads of vegetables and going for walks around the landscape. We're lucky there's a lot of land around here that we can walk on. Um, and then the, how I get some studio time. So I often get into the studio with the children um, and we paint or we paint outside. Um, I kind of muddle through and if they draw on, you know make some chalk marks on paintings it's fine some of it's just a process of just is just to be making stuff it's not necessarily for the um finished work um but how i get studio time is that uh they go fishing so we've got really into fishing and they go down to the canal for um two to three hours a day and then i get some studio time and i um can use an angle grinder then if I like <laughs> or a polisher or <laughs> which I find really really grinding I really like using power tools and I find that um it switches me into a different mode so it's great to be able to do that and it's nice to know that they're they're fishing <laughs> and what are you working on at the moment Ruth is that something you can tell us what am I doing? I'm working on solarium. So since lockdown has sort of eased off, I've started to work on that again. And um, I'm developing a relationship with a, a director of photography and trying to get a film produced. So and making plans with the EU Salt Association. So um, prior to lockdown, I had been over with in Brussels with the EU Salt Association discussing my plans to visit each of the mines and make this kind of traveling uh, film work. Um, and then I'm also working, I've started doing quite a bit of painting on stone and just smaller scale stone carving. Um, and I, 
I work that's kind of revolving around megalith megalithic Ireland, um, whether that's visible in the work or not. But it's work working with uh, working with found stones and um, seeing what is possible without. So this is something that has really come from uh, lockdown as well. And my partner is really into lifting heavy, heavy stones. Um, so I'm trying to figure out what's possible, like what's possible scale wise and sculpturally without um, you, the, you, like using contractors mm. um, for larger work. Because I, I, as, although I do collaborate, I, I'm very, uh, I much prefer to um be fully in control of what i'm doing so um i would love to be able to make, create like the scale of work i want to do but have more of a um control over yeah. the the actual production process if i could ask one final question ruth um you've given us a huge insight into your life and work at the moment and um and how the pandemic has impacted on your on your life. The pandemic and, and the virus has been, had a, has, has been traumatic for many people. And I'm wondering where you find hope as an individual and as an artist. And what have you seen taking place in the world at the moment that gives you a sense of hope for the future? I suppose mostly from talking to people and uh, more so than from global media, I find that difficult to take any solace from the um especially as we come out of lockdown there's so little talk about uh kind of uh, the environment broadly but then when you talk to individuals uh i think everyone i think there was one positive for most people and that was just the general slowdown and experience of the world as a quieter place and that it, that it's possible like i know it was it's incredibly traumatic for so many people but that it was possible to live in a world without so much industry um and yeah I, like there's huge negatives to that that sociologically as well but um it was i guess i guess it showed us that nothing is fixed um, and that that these things can stop, you know. Um, so I, say, I suppose I find the positive in just people's awareness of nature and awareness of um, the environment and how how important it is for us to to ground ourselves and um, and be aware of the impact we have on our landscapes and how we live day to day. Um, so that's really what I've taken, the positive I've taken from it, from just from talking to people. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it did show, it did show me how vulnerable we are and how vulnerable the society we set up is and how, how I guess it hit home to me how, um, how lucky I am to do what I do, how I'm, just how art will always sustain how i'll always it'll always sustain me i'll always have a driving force within that um and that it's not 
it's not driven by an outside force. I don't work for someone else. Um, but it, it really hit home to me the importance of being sustainable, not just with the land, but like that in yourself, like that it is really important to be able just to sustain yourself, whether that's food or the way you work or just your own positive nature um, to try, just that you can't always rely on outside forces because you don't know how things will go. Um, yeah. In fact, to finish on that idea of sustainability, uh, which is hugely relevant to so many things that are ha- taking place in the world at the moment. You yourself have developed a practice that is sustainable in the sense that it lets you continue or that you found a way to continue to be an artist in difficult situations. Is that fair to say? And I realized as well, like there were like when I realized that um, the opportunities like, or the deadlines I had that were, that were coming up were gone, that, um, that when I left college, there was nothing, you know, and you, you start that, that like when I ran a studio called The Good Hatchery and that came from the difficulties of uh, leaving college in Dublin to Celtic Tiger Dublin being unaffordable, that, I work really well with uh, obstacles and uh, challenges um, and that creativity comes from that. Mm. I think for most people it does. Um, so that there's real positives in that and in what, and it's exciting. I mean, three months, is, it's a short time, but and we don't know what will come out of that. Like I know things will return to some, to fairly normal situation now, but, I mean, we really don't know the impact of what what people will have come up with in those three months, you know. This conversation with artist Ruth Lyons from her home in Offaly was recorded on Thursday, 18th of June, 2020, through a video call with Donald Maguire, curator of the ESB Centre for the Study of Irish Art at the National Gallery of Ireland.